Good morning, and we're glad you're here. Whether you're here in this space or you're joining us online, we're just glad you're a part of worship today. I am really excited about this text. I'm really excited about this message because this just happens to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the totality of the Word of God. I just love it because it is spoken so richly to me through the years. And so my prayer for you today is that it will speak richly to you. I have nothing to offer you today that is of me only that which is of the word of God. And so I'm going to pray now and ask God's blessing over his word as we receive it. And I'm going to pray that we will have hearts and minds to hear this message, message that I genuinely believe, if we will receive it, can change your life forever. That's how deeply I believe it. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity. I come before you laying myself bare, knowing I have nothing to bring to this, Lord, that can do anything beyond what you want to do with it. So God, I submit myself to you now and I know your word will not return void. Help me to proclaim and say exactly what it is you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. May we learn what it means to abide in you. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. When I was a young man, I really had this dream of having a really nice sound system in my house. I had, I got as a young kid, like the very first thing I really got that could play the music I wanted to was a little boom box. Well, I know I may have to explain what that is to some of y'all, but basically... It's that little thing that you have in your house that's a Bluetooth speaker that can now produce the same kind of sound that, the, that our big boom boxes did. No, I did not walk around carrying it on my shoulders. I did not. But I thought that thing was really cool, but I said, man, it's all right, but I want one of these really powerful sound systems. So back in the day, I bought all the stuff when I was finally out on my own and, you know, I could buy my own sound system. You had all of the amplifier and you, I had a 10-disc CD changer. Kids, they put music on CDs back then. Anyway, so I had this thing and you could put 10 of them in there and it would spin around. It was awesome. So it had the big speakers. I mean, they were like this tall. They were really nice. And I couldn't wait to get this thing rolling. I was pumped. So I set it all up. I got everything ready to go, connected up all the wires. Yes, there was all kinds of things you had to do to put all this stuff together. Wired everything up correctly, or so I thought. I mean, I did everything by the book. And so then I go, and I'm ready to play the music. Nothing happens. I can't get the thing to show a light. I can't get any music to come out of it. Nothing. And yeah, I checked and made sure it was plugged in. All right, I'm not a total idiot. All right? Check to make sure it's plugged in. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, it cannot be that this whole thing is like broken. Like maybe some part of it's messed up, but there's no way every part of it's not working. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just banging my head against the wall wanting to. And I'm messing with all the dials and the nut knobs and I'm turning it up and down and nothing. I'm right at that point where I want to just take this thing and throw it across the room. When I look up at the wall and I see a switch... And I think, wait a minute. And so I walk over, and this was both the right thing and the wrong thing to do. I switch this on, and suddenly, boom, it worked. Right? The la I mean, it just came on full volume because I had been messing with the knob. So it's like blaring out. And you know, I'm thankful I didn't blow the whole thing out. Well, what was the problem? Of course, it wasn't getting power. I thought it was. It was plugged in. 
but it wasn't receiving the, the power that it needed from the source because the switch was off. Pretty simple, right? Well, listen, let me help you understand the core of this message at its heart. Some of y'all are looking really good like my sound system did. Everything looks good to the world around you. You seem to have it all together. You're put together. You got everything lined up like you're supposed to. You're connected all the parts. But you are not receiving the ultimate source of power that belongs to you as a child of God. You're not receiving and living the life that God means for you to live because you're not drawing from the ultimate and true source of life, energy, sustenance, and shaping that Jesus wants to do and be for you. This is not my idea. This is his. So let's look at it. We're going to learn what it means because all of this is about abiding in Christ. What does that mean? How do we do it? I'm going to talk about it. John 15, 1 through 11. We're not going to read all the way to 11 at first, but I'm going to kind of talk a little bit, read a little bit, break it down a little bit for you. Right here, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's Jesus' way of saying, I have brought truth to you. We have his truth in the word of God. We know what we are to do, how we are to live. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Christ is talking about his connectedness to God the Father, how they are one, how they are in alignment. And when he is focused on him, he has everything that he needs, and he's modeling that for us. And he says that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now that's interesting to think about. The word for prunes is the same word that's translated cleanse in other places in the Bible. So you, you could use that same word, either pruning or cleansing, when you look at it from the ancient Greek. He's saying, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. The word of God is your cleansing agent. It is giving you what you need. It is showing you how to live. And it is going to produce growth and do a work in you if you allow that work to happen. If you are abiding in Christ. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The, the ancient Greek verb here is arrow. And that's the, the word, that's how we get that word, he prunes. In many ways, that word is better translated, well, it's a most direct translation to the English language to say, he lifts up. Why would, it, why would, the, why would Jesus have said, he lifts up these areas of your life that are producing fruit, or these areas of your life that need to produce fruit, these branches that are supposed to be growing off you and producing fruit for the glory of God, why would he lift them up? Well, see, it's interesting that grapevines are one of the few fruits, at least one of the few kind of growing things that I can think of that you actually want to prune during its growing season. So lots of times you will prune back a plant, and specifically you have to prune back a plant 
when it isn't its growing season. But with grapevines, you're actually waiting until the grapes get on the vine, and then you are pruning back the foliage that grows over the top of the grapes. Why? Because if you don't, a grapevine will actually produce so much foliage that it will go over the top of the grapes and keep the sunlight from being able to get to it. So see, Jesus is teaching, and, and he's, remember now, he's teaching to an agrarian society, a group, a society that grows things. That's what agrarian society means. It's a place they grow a lot of their own stuff. So as he's teaching them, he's using this verbiage and these words that they will understand, and he's saying that the Lord is going to prune these areas of your life that need to produce fruit to make them more fruitful and allow them everything they need to sustain them. But you need to give those branches, those areas of your life, over fully to Jesus. That's what he's teaching. And he, listen, he will cleanse them, he will clean them up, and he will make them everything he means them to be. Look here in verse 5. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Look, I don't have to teach anybody about this. We've all broken a branch off, cut a branch off, seen dead branches laying around. It's not rocket science. We get it. It doesn't work. It cannot live. It cannot thrive. It says, such branches are, branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Now, did you hear that? Now, some people will try to take a verse like that and they'd abuse it. But here's the deal. If his words are really in you, if you are really abiding in Christ, you are finding alignment with Jesus in the same way that he was talking about he found alignment in the Father. So what he was saying was, my ways align with the purposes of God. When you are in Christ, you see, he's saying the things you're going to be praying for, the things you are seeking and trying to live in and do and produce in your life, they're going to look like what I want for you. And you're going to pray for it. You're going to ask me for it. You're going to desire it because you want to see that in your life. Don't you want to desire what Jesus desires? Don't you want to desire specifically what Jesus desires for your life? I know you do, but the truth of the matter is we frequently don't. We frequently pursue what we want. We frequently pursue the paths of ease. We frequently pursue paths of people-pleasing or feeling like our identity is bound up in what other people think of us. And friends, I am telling you that when you learn to abide, listen now, 
when you really learn to abide, you will be set free of that. And you need it. You don't even know how much you need it. But you need it. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to prune these areas in your life. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He wants you, he's desiring for you to bear fruit. Abide in me and I in you, Jesus says. Fruit bearing, fruit bearing is impossible without abiding and it is inevitable with abiding. It just is. You're, you're not going to bear the fruit that the Lord wants for you in your life. Your life is not going to be what it can or should be if it's not in abiding in Christ. It isn't. It isn't going to be. But if you do, if you will, and a, that, that kind of production, that kind of abiding, when you're in Christ, abiding is what happens. It's inevitable. Now, the quantity and the quality of the fruit may differ from Christian to Christian. But you will abide. You will have what you need. You will produce what you need to produce in a keeping and in accordance with the desire of God for your life. That's why, listen now, that's why you don't measure this life and your life and your value and how well you're doing around other Christians. You measure it against who Christ says you are and what he declares over you, that you are his child, that you are known, that you are loved. Listen to this, last part of this, John chapter 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And I'm, I've loved you and I've modeled this for you, but I've done it. With a purpose. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, I want you to backtrack there and just slow down a minute and read that last verse again. Just look at it one more time. It's still on the screen. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. You know how unbelievable it is that the God of the universe wants to take joy in you. He wants the production, the producing of joy for him to come through you, his children. He could have joy in any way, shape, or form he wanted, right? Because he's God. Think about that for a minute. And where he desires joy is not from anything else ultimately than in you. And he actually says that he desires, desires this. Listen to listen. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. He wants you to be his joy and he wants to complete yours. It's beautiful. And he's 
teaching us, he's showing us, he's telling us, hey, you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. We know that we abide in God's love by obedience, by doing what he tells us to do. All of his word, following it to the best of our ability. We won't be perfect, but we should chase after it. Jesus was making it clear to his disciples. He was laying this before them that the secret, if you will, to living this Christian life, it it is abiding. They weren't going to produce abundant fruit by reading books, by intensifying their self-discipline, by memorizing scripture or getting in an accountability group. And all those things are great. Make sure you hear me saying that. They're all great. Powerful positive things but you can go to as many bible studies as you want you can you can hang around as many christians as you want you can have a million accountability partners you hear me now but if you are not abiding and trusting and drawing what you need from christ day in and day out with consistency you will still be a mess a mess. It's just, it's just a simple truth, but it's one I think we miss sometimes. I know for some of y'all, abiding in Christ can sound like spiritual mumbo jumbo. I'll be honest, it always did to me before I really understood it. Until you really reach a place of abiding and trusting Christ in every way, at least with some serious level of consistency, You will maybe think about abiding as like, oh, I'm going to abide and now I'm just going to be kind of gliding through this life and, you know, things are going to get progressively easier and easier. And that's not, not the way abiding in Christ works. In the same way that he's saying, hey, some of these areas that are producing fruit in you, I'm going to prune. And so we wonder like, Jesus, I'm trying to follow you and I'm trying to do the right thing. And then sometimes things are still hard. Why are these things still hard? Man, I will kill I will kill a bee. Come on over here. Doggone it. I missed an opportunity there, y'all. Forgive me. But listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we must learn how to trust Christ enough that we're saying, I am abiding in you. I am following you with my whole heart. And this is not some, again, spiritual mumbo jumbo. This is really and truly saying, I'm trusting Christ Here's the really cool thing about this. This word biblically, and maybe you've heard me teach about this before, but this word for abide in the Greek is a word meno, M-E-N-O, meno. And it literally means score. You got it? Did you get it? All right. Awesome. Now we can proceed. No weapon formed against us shall stand. It's got wings or whatever. This word in the Greek, meno, literally means, this is cool, y'all, so hang with me on this now. Meno literally means to make your home in. Think about it. Jesus is saying, make your home in me. What does it mean to make a home in someone? I mean, what, what do you think about when you go home? For most of us, when we go home, it's a place of comfort, rest strength, renewal, yes, 
This is generally what it means to go to our homes. One of my, one of my wife's ministries, and she would say this, is she desires so deeply to make our home a place of sanctuary, a place of rest, a place of encouragement. She is constantly trying to build a home environment where we can be uplifted and encouraged and restored. No matter what's going on around us in the outside world, pressures of life and friends and ministries and work and all these things, when we come home, it's a haven. And understand that Jesus, in a much more perfect way, is desiring for you to meno. Make your home in him that he might do the same, only on a much more perfect level for you. He wants you to find rest. He wants you to submit to that abiding process. And I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again, not all of it will be entirely easy. But being shaped and being pruned by Christ is what you should ultimately want, even if it hurts a little bit. Even if you have to give something up that you want, you should be trusting him because he is the gardener. He is the vine dresser. And we are the branches. So we give ourselves over to him in the process. And and all of that, if we're going to do that, listen now, stay with me. It means we have to trust him and we have to have faith that he knows better than we do, and that he can make us into something more and better than we can make ourselves. I sometimes go out in my yard and I cut the bushes and I trim them back as they grow. This is something many of us have done. But then I go to Disney World. And I see that they have people that can take bushes and make them look like Mickey Mouse. And I am in awe. And now if I go home today and start trying to shape the bushes into Mickey Mouse, I can promise you it's not going to go well. It's not going to happen. I am not gifted enough to be able to do that. It's going to look like those early drawings of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Seen some of those? Yeah, I'm just it's going to be a mess, right? Why in the world would we as Christians think, no, no, I got it, it's cool, I'm going to shape myself. I'm going to make it something great. When the vine dresser, when the gardener, when the, the ultimate source of everything we need is there, and he's saying, no, no, you need to submit to my shaping. And if you will, I'm going to make you something beautiful. What area of pruning do you need to submit to today? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Is there an area of sin that you've not given over to Jesus? And I'm telling you this too. You cannot abide if you think you're going to get it done by being the self-made man or woman. You're going to handle it your own, on your own. You're going to do it yourself. True spiritual fruit comes from getting swept up in simply and truly 
knowing Jesus. I know the Lord. I want to follow him. I want to submit my life to him. And when I know and I believe in him and I trust in him for everything I need in this life, he's going to provide it. So I don't have to spend my life worried about what other people think of me. I don't have to spend my life thinking that I'm going to be good enough. Because every time I do that, I realize how not good I am and what a mess I am. And then I feel unworthy. And then I feel like God couldn't love me because I don't love myself some days. But don't you know that's not how God's love for you works? If you don't, you need to know it. And the sooner you get to know it, knowing it, the sooner and the closer you will be to abiding. I've talked to a lot of people through the years. I've ministered, like, you know, counseled a lot of people that have had a lot of problems and trials and troubles and relationships, marriages, friends, jobs, all kinds of things, business. The common thread running in the life of every one of these followers of Jesus is that at some point in their life, marriage, relationship, business, whatever it is, they stopped relying on Jesus as their source and started relying on themselves and or trusting in other things that could not sustain under the weight of their expectations. Or they went down paths that they knew weren't healthy frequently because they either felt good or because they were easy. They didn't have anything to do with their relationship with Jesus. But there they were in a mess. It's like the kid that rides down the way too steep hill on a skateboard and then wonders how at the end of it he's got a broken arm. When we live our lives detached from the one we're supposed to be abiding in, and then we look at it and we say, why is my life so messed up? Why isn't this working? Why does my life feel like such a train wreck? Why am I challenged in so many ways? Why does it have to feel so hard? I would just say that we are likely not abiding. Because when we are, when we are drawing from him as the source of our strength, our direction, our ultimate hope, I believe deep in my soul. This is not, this is not just me trying to throw some words out at you because I have to talk for 20 plus minutes. This is something I believe deep in my core. God will give you what you need. He will be sustaining you with what it is you need. But some of us need a gospel transformation on our hearts. We need to believe the gospel again. Maybe some of you in this room and online, for the very first time, we need to believe the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ loves you. You are loved. And if you are in Christ 
There is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Some of you need to believe it for the first time. Some of you need to believe it again, even if you've heard me say it 50 times. Oh, I've heard him say that before. Cool. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, it's changing your life. It's making your value system look different. It's changing how you see yourself in relationship to the God of the universe. Some of you need to get out of the little box you find yourself in because you've gotten too comfortable. Say, I'm doing all right. I got this. I'm good. Life's all right. I feel like I'm doing all right. I'm as close, and Jesus is as close as I need him to be. A little stiff arm. You stay right over there, Jesus. You're right there. No, just good. I know you. I got you. We're good. Don't come too close. I got some stuff over here that's mine. Right? You don't, you don't need to see this. Right? This, no, this part's not for you. But the rest, no, we're good. Looking forward to that heaven. That's going to be great. But you can't have this. You understand how wrong thinking that is? You understand how when you stay trapped in that man-made box of yours, that's not abiding. Maybe abiding in yourself. But you will forever remain bound. If you stay happy in that spot. Recently, recently I started some tomato plants in my house. And I know all the young people are like, oh, look at that old dude. Yep, I started, uh, started some tomato plants in my house. And uh, I got that going. And, and, and one of the reasons I did this, again, I'll make myself sound even older, is that I was cheap enough to say, I'm not paying all this money for these tomato plants because they're really expensive. Okay, I wasn't going to do it. So I just said, I'm going to start them from seed. I'm going to do the whole thing. So I started a whole bunch of them, and they all did really well. Kind of miraculously, I found a way to not kill them. And they all grew, every single one of them. And so I had this whole big tray of these tomato plants, and they were growing, and they're growing so big that at some point I was like, Man, these things are way too big for the little tiny box they're in. So then I had to do this work, and it was messy, and I wasn't sure if they were going to survive it because you're trying to take them out and the dirt's falling off. It's not like those plants you get and, you, you know, when you get them at the store and you take them out and they're in the big tight ball. They're not like that yet because they're just not big enough to be able to do that quite yet. But they're big enough to need to get out of that little box and get into something bigger. So I'm taking it and it's messy and I don't know, don't know if they're going to survive and I transplant them into something bigger and they're kind of droopy. And I don't know, that might have been the wrong thing. But what do you know? Gave them a day started to find their roots in this newer, bigger space. And now they're thriving. And don't you know that that is like a little picture for what our lives should look like? That when we are willing to get out of that little box that we think is, is, is the expectation or we think is the path and say, no, Lord, I'm willing to trust the work and the shaping that you want to do because I know that I can get this much done, but you can get this much done. 
So won't you help me trust you to do exactly that? Jesus wants us to meadow, to make our home in him. Because that's where he can do everything he wants in you and through you. And I know it's what you want, but you have to be willing to submit to it. The time for being transplanted to something bigger and better and that has been aligned for your life is now. Because that's the ground where you're going to truly grow and expand. That's where Jesus is going to take you to where you ultimately need to be. But it has to begin with believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. To really believe that Jesus paid it all for you. That you really owe everything to him. That he loves you deeply. That you can't save yourself. That you can't be good enough to save yourself. And that what other people think of you is not going to save you either. So you can stop worrying about it and start measuring yourself off of what Christ tells you to be. And his value for you. Friends, I knew what the gospel was for a long, long time. I lived as a Christian for a long, long time. I was saved, but I didn't really understand the gospel. I did not really understand how I had been set free by Jesus. And that I didn't have to worry about all that other external stuff. And I didn't have to judge myself based off all of these other things, but I could simply rest And I know that there's a lot of you in this room this morning that come needing some rest. You are tired. My prayer for you is that you have not heard this message as anything other than a call to lay your life down to Christ. Not that you would have heard this message then as saying, hey, do better, try harder, be more. Oh, just pile more stuff up on you. I hope you haven't heard it that way because that's not the message. No, the message is let go. Connect. Dig your roots down deep into the ground that Jesus has prepared for you and trust him every day to provide what it is you need. Some of you for the very first time to believe the gospel, Jesus Christ died for you because he loves you. He laid his perfect life down to save your broken, fallen, sinful life. And the only way to be saved is to come to him and give your life to him completely, laying it all down, saying, I'm a sinner. I need grace. I need you, Jesus. Some of you, again, who've been following Jesus for a long time, need to be set free by the truth of the gospel. So whatever might be going on in your life, whatever way we might pray for you, encourage you, walk with you through a relationship to know Jesus better, and we're here for you. I know I say that, I say that a lot of Sundays, most Sundays. But every Sunday, I stand down here and bow my head, I pray. I'm praying for those folks that are online. I'm praying for the folks in this room. Lord, whatever you mean to do, in the heart and the life of the people that you've gathered together. 
he'll do it. Do not deny the work that Christ wants to do in you this morning. Submit to it. Trust him. Abide. Let's be standing. Let's sing together. Be right here if we can help you.